Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Today's scripture is going to be one that I use a, an, a, a, a tweezers to pull out because there's some like real... Um, uh, high context text, meaning like you really, uh, it, it, on first blush, these readings are super problematic <laughs> and therefore like it invites us to lean into the context of like, what is this really trying to say? Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to be, um, um, using some tweezers here, but this is Romans one verse 20, Romans one verse 20. Ever since the creation of the world, God's eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things she has made. And so we are with, they, talking about Gentiles, are without excuse. Ever since the creation of the world, God's eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things God has made. And so we are without excuse. Um, Go ahead and write in the chat what word or phrase that stuck out from this one verse. (laughs) I'm using a little bit of tweezers. We'll get to the context. I just don't want to like, I think it's kind of problematic to just like read a super hurtful text and not address it like right away. And so we're just, we're going to go through verse 20 and then we'll go a little bit up and then we'll go a little bit down and it'll all be great. Okay. Invisible, invisible though they are. Yeah. Yeah. Ever since the creation of the world, uh, God's eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are and understood through and seen through the things God has made. Yeah. Invisible though we are without excuse, mm -hmm, divine nature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Without excuse. Yeah. <laughs> There's some real one energy in Romans 1. Actually, Romans 1, uh, the whole beginning part of Romans is like, okay. Like, let's let's integrate towards 7 a little bit. That's, a, that's Enneagram stuff. If you don't know the Enneagram, don't worry about it. Understand by what she was made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... I believe that this text is one of the texts that has been the most um, approachable in my life since I started reading the Bible. For sure, I mean, I started reading the Bible by myself in fifth grade, just Genesis to Revelation, whole book, whole book, whole book. Um, and this is that verse was always something that was so um, approachable to me, so obvious because. I even remember, um, even as a kid, especially as a kid, being able to look out at nature and be able to have some type of divine sense. There's kind of this strong sense of mysticism in children. That is the ability to encounter God in a, in a felt way. There's a, there's a mystical knowing of children that we kind of like train out of them because capitalism is the worst. But uh, I definitely had that. And, uh, and I was like, wow, I'm encountering God in nature. And I remember um, I had a very problematic relationship with Boy Scouts. Um, I don't know if any of you were Scouts out there. 
okay, like I'm all for youth development and structured leadership development at developmentally appropriate stages. There's just like something about the concentration of just unbridled toxic masculinity that like really needed some reckoning <laughs> with Boy Scouts. I was in Boy Scouts all the way to Eagle Scout. And, uh, and I, for as many, you know, like there was like weird masculinity things. There was competitiveness. There was wrestling of each other. They played games called, like Smear the Queer. That was like a real game that was really played. And Tyler was like, da 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 I gotta go. <laughs> like, um, for as many issues that I had with Boy Scouts, what I loved about them is that it got me outside. And I remember very particularly um, one day going along, you know, Minnesota has like an amazing hiking, amazing, like breathtaking hiking. And I remember going along this trail and we were in this forest and we were in, in a line together. And the, the sun was kind of dappled through the leaves. It was probably... Uh, a season that was pretty close to what we're experiencing right now in early September. The air was pretty cool, and uh, when there was kind of that fresh wind that blew, everything kind of swayed with it. And um, and usually when you're hiking in a group, uh, people kind of start off pretty chatty, but eventually you just keep walking, and, and the conversation ebbs, and suddenly all the sound that exists is the sound of these birds and these bugs, and um, and the sound of your hiking boots crunching along the path, um, slipping into the mud where there was the banks of that stream, uh, and, and, and then crunching on uh, the hard, like, little seed pellets still remaining from earlier in the season. And I remember walking along there, just feeling like I'm in a cathedral uh, right now. <laughs> like, everything is stained glass, and I'm experiencing the world in a, in a sacred way. And, you know, in front of me and behind me were some folks that I had some, like, fraught relationships with. And maybe there was a little bit of, like, being bullied. Maybe there was, like, okay, I don't know if I'm totally seeing eye to eye with you or whatever. In front and behind me, there I was in this line of, of some fraught relationships. But then I looked over to my right and I saw uh, a star flower, actually. Uh, that's for you, Krista. Uh, I saw a purple flower in the forest just like randomly appearing. And if uh, if you have never seen a wildflower before, like a truly naturally occurring wildflower, like you know that no one put it there, it was just by itself, it's arresting because all of a sudden you, at least if you're like this like queer 10-year-old... <laughs> You realize that, like, life ha is happening all around in ways that no one can control. That this impulse towards life is, like, so amazing that, that, that things are coming alive all of the time. That, that the glory of life, the, of God, is bursting through soil and turning into something that is beautiful. And it's not just beautiful because we crafted it to be beautiful, like a painting, as amazing as painting is, but rather it's beautiful by its nature, by being itself. Its beauty is something that is not meant to serve anyone. It's rather beautiful because it's beautiful. And that's the nature of, of life. And I, I believe that, that 
nature started turning me into a theologian really early <laughs> because I'm looking at this flower and I'm realizing like, you're telling me that the deeply problematic and fraught system in which I am operating, the, uh, the, the lane, the, the restriction in, that I so deeply feel in this area, the, the violence that I'm witnessing, uh, the, the uh, like replication of oppression that is happening in this like super toxic masculine era. You're telling me that there is a, an alternative reality that's happening all around us from the, the problematic and destructive systems that I'm living in. You're telling me that like the ways that things are are not how they have to be. And we know that not just through ideology, but by looking around and seeing that there is life happening that in itself proves that another way is possible. Earth is God's best evangelist. That's a line that it gets thrown around sometimes. Nature is God's best evangelist because unlike so many of the um, kind of problematic, manipulative tools of coercion and proselytization that Christian American Christianity especially is like deeply fraught with, the nature evangelizes, which is to say spreads on the good news of God by being, by showing, by action in, in, in being itself. Uh, to evangelize in this way is a, is a level higher than maybe any of us can really imagine. But simply by like someone looking at your life, someone starts to understand deeper theological truth. Ooh, that's what I want to be. That wildflower is something that I would like to be by the end of my life, that someone would be able to look at, at my existence and without me trying to like persuade or coerce anyone, just people, folks, being able to believe that there is a God of love that is possible because this life is possible. That's what I was encountering as I was crunching along this path. And I knew that, um, that this revolutionary gospel was with me. And, and, right, uh, and that's right there in, in Romans. And I, and I think that when you are like um, reading through the Bible and you encounter some problematic things, one of the ways that you can approach that uh, is... Um, looking for a verse where you do discover a certain truth and then allowing that truth to shed light on the other verses. Because um, if we look uh, before this verse, all this whole discourse is about the wrath of God. <laughs> ah! <laughs> yep. Uh, people are like, okay, well, I am shutting my laptop. No, <laughs> the, the, the right before is about the wrath of God and right after is of course one of the most famous Bible verses that is used to oppress queer people. And that Bible verse is, um, therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the degrading of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the, crea the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Uh, for this reason, God gave them up to degrading passions. Their women exchanged natural intercourse for unnatural, and in the same way also, the men giving up natural intercourse with women were consumed with passion for one another. Okay. 
Uh, men committing shameless acts. Of, okay, I'm just like, okay, first of all, Paul, like, don't knock it till you try it. But second of all, like, that, the verse that was like, I profoundly know that this is true, that God's glory shines through creation can help us to understand some of the other things to help the help it can help us to understand what Paul was kind of trying to get at because when I look at that wildflower when I look at the scripture of God emerging uh and and speaking to us by the way in the uh, orthodox uh, some orthodox traditions of Christianity uh they say that there are two scriptures the bible and the earth Okay, so like if, when we look at this wildflower, um, I begin to see that this discourse is about intention and what happens if we stray from intention. I, I imagine how, like how God would feel if God made that wildflower just this purpley, petally, <laughs> little fr fragile, beautiful thing. And then that wildflower was like, you know what? I actually would rather be an oak tree because they're strong and big. And so I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to be an oak tree. I imagine if that, if that wildflower, instead of lifting up its, its um, leaves to the sun to receive like God's glory through sunlight, was like, you know what? Actually, like mushrooms are a little bit more my style. So I'm going to stay closeted as a wildflower and instead to show up as a mushroom because, uh, you know, I, it's just like, I just don't want to deal with it. And I, I think that uh, God would be a little bit grieved, not because of kind of this like moral judgment wagging a finger, but rather to say like, the world needs wildflowers. You know, you were put in this world because you offer a beauty that no one else can in this whole system. And if any of us miss out on wildflowers, then all of us lose. Because beyond just offering beauty, wildflowers also offer pollination. They're often able to inhabit places that, uh, that uh, faster, more quickly than other plants. They're able to start um, collecting nutrition in the soil to localize it towards their roots, which, which helps other plants grow. Like wildflowers are beautiful and they provide a certain like benefit to the whole system simply by being themselves. And when we go in the closet, I think that it grieves God a little bit. Not simply, and to the closet, as a survivor of the closet, I want to be very precise here. When we are closeted even to ourselves, when we choose to reject even who we are, even to ourselves, I'm not talking about like, like, you know, if you're a wildflower and you see a bunch of people picking wildflowers and burning them up, like you do whatever you got to do to survive. But I'm talking about being, I'm talking about being closeted to yourself, like, like denying who you are and suppressing who you are. And, and I think that that grieves God a little bit, not just because of some like capitalistic, individualistic narrative that's going on of like, oh, but you have to be your own self for being, the sake of being yourself. It's like, rather, there is a beauty that God has, has infused in your life. And when you are able to kind of just be 
yourself, that beauty starts preaching to the world and starts to testify that there is a, there is a God of beauty that exists, that our, our creator is beautiful. When you are closeted to yourself, it, it, there's nutrition that you're, that you're extracting from the ecosystem that you're in that you don't even, you might not even know. Like, um, I just know that like, even for as, as closeted as I was, I was still someone who was in Boy Scouts able to look out for people who were being left out because I knew what it was like to be left out. And so like slowly, slowly, just by like being, taking issue in other people having to suffer through the same things that I did, like that, that started to spread. And I think that similarly, God wants to bless communities through you, not in like a, you have to work harder and put out, have a stronger output, but in kind of like a, a beautiful unfolding in an unfurling of your life in a, in a way of being yourself. And there is no way to go about that without a little bit of wisdom, without some insight in who you are. There's no way to come out of the closet if you don't know the very thing that is being closeted. You know what I, do you know what I mean? Uh, but this is kind of an important point. It, like, it's not like you can look at your life and then automatically know exactly who you're going to be for the rest of your life. Like there is a, there is like a, an unveiling. There's like a, a discipline of like getting to know yourself a little bit, have uh, getting to know who God made you to be, letting your life speak to have uh, to quote Parker Palmer, um, listening for the sound of the genuine to quote Howard Thurman. Like there's a little bit of uncovering that's required for you to be able to come out. And that's, that's part of what spiritual practices are for, to be able to give you wisdom. And so uh, the, um, uh, the next sermon series that we're, I'm sorry, I, was, I just looked over to the, the chat and it said, I lived for 30 years as a mushroom. And I just wanna name, for those of you who are realizing a little bit later, coming out a little bit later than other people have, that there is no, that, this moment is the perfect moment to start telling the truth about yourself. And whatever you did to have to survive, whatever choices you made to, um, to make it through were the choices that your body made to make it through. Like I celebrate that you are alive and that you survived. And even if, um, even if you're coming out a little bit later, even if your story isn't exactly like the stories of what queerness is supposed to look like, this is exactly the right time. There is still plenty of future in your story. There is still plenty of seasons where you're going to be the wildflower of the wildflowers, where <laughs> you'll just be able to be your fabulous self in ways that you uniquely can. God has, <laughs> God has been waiting with you for that like holy Saturday kind of moment, that moment that's like when you're in the grave, let me unpack that for folks who are new to church. Jesus was executed on Friday and then he raised back from the dead on Sunday. But during Holy Saturday, like there was just death. There was just grief and there was just a closed tomb. And you, uh, uh, if you have been out in the closet and you are coming out, you have experienced a lot of Holy Saturday and now is the next season of your life when the Resurrection Sunday is coming. 
now is the time for God, for you to accept the invitation of a rolled away stone to be able to live into the wildflower who you are so that your life can be a testimony to the world, can inspire hope and peace and joy in ways that only you can provide. Because do you know how many people who have been in the closet for 30 years and are looking around just waiting to see examples of people who have lived the kind of life that you have lived? The act of resurrection is contagious. And so when you step into resurrection, it necessarily, in like the positive sense of viral, <laughs> goes around and catch and makes everyone more alive. Like this is this is the hope of resurrection. For as many death-dealing systems as we are, for as much oppression that you see in front and behind you, there is a there is a resurrection that is waiting to be bloom in your life. And that blooming is something that pollinates other people. That blooming is what gives hope in a very dark world. That peace is what allows for there to be a revolutionary insight in other people's lives. People will look at your life and think, wait a second, you're telling me that a different world is possible, not just in ideology, but in action? This is the other way. And this is the great gift of Jesus's, I'm getting back on board, this is the great gift of Jesus's witness in our lives. This is the this is the great gift of why God became a person in the first place. Because it's so easy for us to say, you know, like, yes, we should all live in peace and love, and that's that's all that. But God was like, I think that y'all need an object lesson. I think that y'all need to be able to look uh to look to the side of the path that you are on right now and be able to see not just theory, but the witness in the incarnation of Jesus Christ to say that is what is possible in a life of love. This is the type of hope that is possible when we look to the, the true manifestation of God in the world. Maybe God is looking at you saying like, listen, there's a lot of your life that does not look like you're living into who you are made to be. And that path necessarily ends in wrath. That the path necessarily ends in destruction and suffering that you yourself are rendering in your own life. You're tearing yourself and your world apart. But if we live into this resurrection, if we see that Jesus is offering another way, that is not simply more effort, but that is more real, more authentic and alive. That is how we're going to live as a resurrection witness to the world. We can be a wildflower for a world that is completely shrouded in death. And that's our invitation today. To step out into the earth, to remember that there, no matter how socially distant you are, there is a world living into exactly who they're supposed to be. The plants and the trees and all of nature, all of the skies living into how God intended. And if they can do it, so can we. Amen. If you were feeling uh, that sermon, go ahead and type amen in the chat. And let's continue with singing. This is a song that I feel like really speaks to these themes. So let's sing that.